hey world history students uh this week is all about religion we get to ask the question is religion good and we get to dive into some of the origins of the world's biggest most influential religions um, and what i love about this is that many of us um, i would say all of us have some interaction uh, with religion either on a daily basis or um, just in our culture because in the united states uh, the, the religion of christianity has been uh, a major part of our history Disclaimer, I find questions about religion and how religion influences our daily lives and how we think about ourselves and how we think about each other and how we think about people across the world. I find these questions to be endlessly fascinating. And so I'm going to get really excited this week. I hope that you guys get really excited as we dive into the origins of some of these religions and these cultural traditions and we try to empathize with people throughout history and we try to understand how different people have had their lives shaped by these cultural traditions and these religions. I want to dive into it. I hope you're ready to dive into it as well without any more talking about it. Let's get into the second half of chapter one in the textbook. The textbook covers uh, a number of different religions. It talks about Hinduism, Buddhism. Um, it talks about some different types of Hinduism and different types of Buddhism. Then it goes into uh, the cultural traditions in China, Confucianism and Taoism. And then it uh, ends by talking about the Abraham Abrahamic faiths, which is Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. But it starts with, uh, starts with Hinduism. And uh, the reason for this is that Hinduism is the oldest uh, cultural tradition, religious uh, tradition in the world. And it's really, really tied with the history of South Asia, which is now India. Um, and some of the characteristics of Hinduism is that it's polytheistic. Uh, but even, even though it's polytheistic at its core, it talks about this uh, one unified um, theory of a God, that there's this unified um, God force in the world, and that the goal of humans is to get into that uh, God force. So the, the, the goal is what's called moksha, and that's union with the divine, getting into that God force uh, throughout uh, your um, time on earth. Um, an example is you're trying, you're, you are a bubble in this glass of water, and you need to break through to the air outside. The air outside is this divine force. Now, how do you do this um, if you're an, uh, an Indian in uh, Hinduism? Well, it's through samsara. And samsara is uh, rebirth. It is this idea of reincarnation. You get multiple tries at this earth. Um, you get multiple tries at being uh, the best type of person. Now, um, Karma explains how you live well in your place in your life. If you live well in this life, if you live well in the place that you've been given in this life, uh, then you might move up and move toward the divine. Now, as you can, can kind of already tell from the way that I'm talking about this, 
Um, Indian society is ordered in what's called a caste system. And moving up in that caste system meant that you were moving more towards the divine. So caste is incredibly important uh, to becoming uh, like God and one with the divine. So what we see with Hinduism is uh, uh, the ways that religion is tied with social hierarchy, social order. Um, and Hinduism is a really, really good example of this because it's just so tied up in the religion. Now, the next religion is Buddhism. And Buddhism takes a little bit of a different track. Um, they, it's rooted in Hinduism. Um, it, it says that life is an illusion, that we're trying to get this union with God. Um, but it questions the authority of the caste system, and it questions the authority of, um, of this religion moving us up and down in the caste system. Um, so with Buddhism, it is what's, it's the first of what's called a universal religion, where anyone can access the divine, uh, no matter where you are in your uh, class or caste or, or place in society. And those types of religions spread really, really easily because people of all different places in society um, really like this uh, type of religion. With Buddhism, though, we got to start with uh, this guy Siddhartha Gautama. And he was this prince. He had a very sheltered life. And then eventually he makes his way outside of his sheltered life. And he encounters uh, three people. An old man uh, who was suffering from age. Um, a sick man who was suffering from some sort of sickness, and then a dead man who had died. Um, and <laughs> he questions, okay, what's going on here? He sees suffering and he asks, why? Why is there suffering in the world? Um, and so Siddhartha, he, uh, he goes on this quest to, to figure this out. He um, goes and sits in the wilderness and he eventually comes to what's called enlightenment. And he comes to enlightenment and he says, Ah, I figured it out. I know what's going on here. Suffering happens when we have attachments or desires or cravings for things. So when I am suffering, it means that I am desiring the world to be different from it, what it is. Um, and so he says, okay, we've got to end desire and end attachments to end suffering. So he says that nirvana comes when we let go of suffering um, and when we find true serenity and compassion for all things by letting go of all the cravings and desires of this world. So both of those two religions, Hinduism and Buddhism, both come to us uh, starting in South Asia. And South Asia is what's now India. We talked about this. Um, but switching gears, still in Asia, switching gears to China, uh, we find cultural traditions that are not really religions, uh, but they are all about order and harmony and figuring out how to live uh, well in the world and in society. And the first one is called Confucianism. And I'm going to go through both of these uh, because 
Uh, the second one is a reaction directly against Confucianism. So Confucianism is all about Confucius. Uh, we'll watch a video on Confucius that I think helps us understand who this man was. But in Confucianism, uh, the goal is uh, to find harmony and to, to, to find good and right relationships in society. So um, order comes uh, from moral behavior. And uh, if there's inequality, it's okay. There's inequality in relationships. That's just the way it is. The inequality is built into the human experience. Um, and he bases much of his idea of, um, of order on the family. And he says the family is the best um, model for human relationships. The father and the son, it's, a, it's an unequal relationship. The father and the mother, it's an unequal relationship. And he says that this is natural. And the best way to live is if you embrace those unequal relationships and do your best in those situations. So if you're the superior party, you have to be sincere. You have to be kind. You have to be compassionate um, to the inferior party. Now, if you're the inferior party, you need to show deference and obey the, suf the superior uh, party. Now, this is this kind of honoring uh, one's uh, elders and honoring one's ancestors and honoring the superior is called filial piety. Um, and that is a major part of Chinese history. Now, um, this also goes to the government and Confucian uh, ideas are that the government should act as if he was the father of a family. And so the other people in the family should obey, uh, but the father should of the family, the, the leader of the, um, the country, should also be sincere. He should be kind. He should be compassionate to the inferior uh, people in the country because he's been given what's called the mandate of heaven. And the mandate of heaven is God or heaven uh, kind of giving this leader the ability to rule over the family and rule well. If he doesn't have, if he's not ruling well, then it's a sign that uh, he has lost the mandate of heaven. In Confucianism, then, one of the keys is education, moral education, in uh, the Confucian ideals of relationships. Um, so education was really, really key in, in China. And they had a, what's called an exam system that allowed them to, uh, to choose people to rule and to govern based on their ability uh, to, to answer questions in a, uh, what we would consider like an SAT-style uh, system of questioning. Now, coming up against that is uh, Taoism. And Taoism is a direct uh, counter to Confucianism because they really ridicule education. They say um, there shouldn't be, you shouldn't have to work hard uh, for, you shouldn't have, um, you shouldn't have to find education. Uh, you should uh, actually withdraw from, um, from the chaos. So get out of this system of chaos. Get out of, when you see chaos in the world, uh, you need to leave that um, and go to nature and uh, find um, what, what they call the Tao or the way. Uh, you need to find that within yourself. So it's really, when you see um, problems in the world, when you see problems in society, 
They're caused by people not looking within themselves to find the way. Um, and the way they think is this underlying principle that governs all of nature. So it's this voice calling out against the status quo and against uh, actions. Um, no action is going to fix things. They think only looking within yourself is going to fix the world. Leaving Asia, leaving uh, the traditions of China and the tra traditions of South Asia, um, we move west and we move into what's now the Middle East. And um, in uh, a little country uh, that's now Israel, there emerged a religion called Judaism. And Judaism was really, really rooted in uh, two things. It was rooted in the land. Uh, this land was... Uh, the land of the Hebrews, and it was considered the promised land, and it was rooted in, most importantly, one God, and this is called a monotheistic faith. Um, and Judaism is the first of what are called the Abrahamic faiths, and they're called that because uh, Judaism was founded by this guy named Abraham, uh, but he wasn't really meant to be a special person in any, in any real way. Uh, the specialness of the faith was based on um, this exclusionary, jealous God uh, who was considered sacred above any other God. Monotheistic means one God. He's transcendent, but he's also uh, personal. And this religion um, then uh, kind of is the basis for uh, a religion that came out of this religion in uh, the first century um, of our common era. And that religion starts with a man named Jesus. It, and Christianity is the religion that came out of that. And that's probably the religion that we know best. Um, but it really begins as a Jewish faith. Um, Jesus was a Jew. He's a wisdom teacher. Um, and a wisdom teacher usually challenges uh, the status quo, challenges the kind of norms and values of the time. Um, and he looked at people, Jesus did, and he said, um, we need to renounce wealth. We need to renounce self-seeking. We need to focus on um, personal transformation and love and compassion. He spoke of this singular, this personal God, um, but he also uh, spoke for the oppressed. He spoke for the poor. He spoke for women at the time. Um, and he, uh, he dies, and the religion forms as a result of uh, his teachings and the people that wrote down uh, what he, um, what he uh, said and did. He didn't write anything down. Um, it's all based on the people um, who uh, witnessed what he did. And the religion eventually uh, becomes the state religion of Rome and then spreads really, really quickly throughout the world as a result of it being uh, tied to the um, Roman Empire. Now, the second religion that comes out of Judaism is uh, what's called Islam. And Islam uh, comes to us from a place in Saudi Arabia, um, a, a town named Mecca. And this uh, town, and in this town, uh, a man named Muhammad, he had a vision that um, God told him to write things down and uh, to, to form a religion based on 
the one true God, Allah. And in his vision, he was told that he was the last of many prophets. And some of those prophets included Abraham and Jesus, actually. Um, So it's a really unlikely story because Islam uh, quickly forms into one of the most powerful religions in the world. And by uh, about 100 years after Muhammad dies, um, he... Uh, the, the Islamic world um, is most of the Middle East and most of North Africa. Now, Islam is a pretty revolutionary message. Um, he, uh, Muhammad says that Allah is the only God. There's no God but Allah. It's also, at the time, very socially progressive. Uh, he speaks out against wealth. He speaks out against inequality. Um, he says that in uh, Islam, you must treat the poor well. Uh, you can't charge interest on loans that you give out. So if you give out a loan, you can't benefit back from that loan. Um, and he says that we need to stop abusing women. Um, so in our um, just society, in the ulama, um, they had very strict laws against um, oppressing people, oppressing women particularly, Um, which doesn't really match our view of Islam in popular culture uh, today. Each of these religions then have, in my opinion, uh, positives and negatives. They each have some things that they uh, were speaking for and some things that they were speaking against that we can identify as good and bad. And so when we're thinking about how to assess whether religion as uh, a system is good uh, or not, we really have to consider both the effects today and how they were formed and for what purpose they were formed originally. So I want you to think deeply this week um, about that question. Is religion good? And how was religion formed? Why was it formed? And was this good? How was it good? Why was it not good? Who did this help? How did it not help? Hopefully, through that, we're going to learn about um, how these religions have been super influential um, and continue to influence our lives today.